Hello, and welcome to Medical Motherhood for April 30th, 2023. I'm Shasta Kearns-Moore. Medical Motherhood is a weekly newsletter and podcast on the experience of raising disabled and neurodivergent children. Please consider a paid subscription. You can do that online at medicalmotherhood.com. Early on, I would try to start seeds, and eventually they died. I would put them in neat little rows, give them fertilizer, and water them. I would do everything by the book, everything I am supposed to do. But for some reason, I was rarely successful. My corn never grew past my knee. My basil yellowed and wilted. My lettuce seedlings rotted. My son, on the other hand, Jasper finds old seed packets and sprinkles them in patches, not rows. He doesn't pay attention to the weather. He forgets to water for weeks. He puts tomato cages around peas and leaves tomatoes to sprawl out. He grabs a bulb of garlic from the kitchen and shoves it in the ground. He makes up his own rules. He doesn't do what he's supposed to do. And for some reason, his garden grows. Jasper's garden is beautiful and lush and thriving. There's a cornstalk growing strong and tall out of the strawberries. There's so much parsley we have to cut it back to make sure the peas which, like the tomato cages much better than the steaks that I would have tried to train them up, have enough sunlight. The spinach, calendula, and cherry tomatoes are doing great, even though we didn't plant any this year. Last year's ignored plants just went to seed and just did what plants have done since plants began. They had no reason not to in our garden. For some reason... I often think about disability in the vegetable garden. Humans often have incredibly detailed judgments of the physical differences of other humans. We can even judge animals with physical differences. But there can be quite a lot of variation in individual plants before we start making judgments about them. Who cares if it's missing a leaf or two? Who cares if one is shorter than the other? Who cares if it takes a fraction longer to grow? Along the west coast where I live, many trees stretch eastward away from the ocean, looking as though they were bent by the wind. These trees would grow fairly symmetrically anywhere else, but the harsh ocean wind kills the new buds that try to grow on the windward side. No one calls the result crippled or defective or disabled. We call it beautiful. We put it on postcards. Those trees remind me of the miracle of life, how even in the harshest circumstances, even when irreparably damaged by the world, even when planted where nothing should be able to grow, life not only survives, but thrives. My children survived and thrived under extremely harsh circumstances, and where others might see brokenness and judge them less than or other. I see beauty and strength and resilience.
Time now for Medical Motherhood's News Roundup, snippets of news and opinion from outlets around the world. From the Montgomery Advertiser in Alabama, Senator Tommy Tuberville, Paris Hilton, back legislation to prevent abuse in youth facilities. Just over a year ago, on April 11, 2022, 15-year-old Connor Bennett died after attempting to take his own life inside of a residential youth treatment facility in Tuskegee. For five months leading up to that day, Bennett allegedly endured physical, sexual, and verbal abuse. His mother said that when he asked the staff who were supposed to be supporting him for help, they ignored him. The allegations of abuse in facilities like this extend beyond Alabama, and this week, U.S. Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama was among five congressmen who introduced a bill to address oversight of these kinds of facilities. States are doing the best they can to regulate, but we need to do more at the national level, Tuberville said at a news conference. There's an old saying that sunlight is the best disinfectant. We need to open our eyes and put the sun on what's going on in this country with these facilities. We need some more sunlight on these facilities so we can put a stop to the waste, fraud, and abuse in the system. The Stop Institutional Child Abuse Act promotes greater transparency from these facilities that are privately owned and government contracted. The bill would establish a federal work group to provide oversight of these facilities, and it would direct the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine to study the use of behavioral intervention methods like restraints and seclusion on children in these facilities. U.S. Representative Ro Khanna, a Democrat of California, Senator Jeff Merkley, a Democrat of Oregon, Senator John Corrin, a Republican of Texas, and Representative Buddy Carter, a Republican of Georgia, teamed up on the legislation. Celebrity Paris Hilton, who says she herself experienced abuse at such a facility, has also been championing this cause. Every day in America, children in residential facilities are being physically, emotionally, and sexually abused by those responsible for their care, she said at a news conference. I'm never going to get my childhood back, but some of these children are losing their futures too. How many more children need to die before you take action? From the Providence Journal in Rhode Island, Bill would end out-of-school suspensions for young children unless they pose a threat. State Senate lawmakers are weighing a bill to limit out-of-school suspensions for young children following criticism of the practice from the American Civil Liberties Union of Rhode Island. On Wednesday night, the Senate Education Committee heard the proposal, sponsored by Senator Anna Quezada, a Democrat of Providence, with a total of 10 senators signing on. It would stop out-of-school suspensions for students in preschool through fifth grade unless the student is a danger to others. Specifically, the legislation states that a suspension may only take place if, quote, the school administration, in consultation with a school psychologist or other mental health professional, determines that such students' behavior presents a threat to the physical safety or health of others, which cannot be reduced or eliminated through interventions and supports. However, the Rhode Island Federation of Teachers and Health Professionals does not support the bill. James Parisi, a field representative for the union, said that although he wants alternatives to suspensions, quote, teachers deal with the consequences of not imposing some kind of behavior standards in the classroom. 
And while I understand the ACLU focusing on the lost instructional hours, I'd ask you to consider what about the learning needs of the 25 others who remain, whose classroom has been disruptive, if, in fact, that was the case, he added. The bill has been held for further study. From the Washington Post, she didn't have a Barbie with Down syndrome growing up, so she made one. On Tuesday, Mattel and the National Down Syndrome Society unveiled the most recent addition to the Barbie Fashionistas collection, a line designed to be more inclusive. Advocates hope the new doll allows children with Down syndrome to see themselves represented in popular culture by one of the most iconic toy brands in the world, no less. It's a huge step for representation, said Candy Pickard, the National Down Syndrome Society CEO. Over the past year, grassroots advocacy manager Kayla McKeon helped advise Mattel. Compared with other Barbie dolls, the one introduced Tuesday is shorter and has a longer torso, which is characteristic of people who have Down syndrome, the society said in the news release. The doll has other distinctive features, including a rounder face, smaller ears, a flat nasal bridge, and eyes that are slightly slanted and almond-shaped. They also gave a doll a single line on her palm, another trait often associated with Down syndrome. A medical professional reviewed the doll's physical features to make sure they were correct, the society said. The new Barbie also wears orthotics, medical devices some children with Down syndrome use to support their feet and ankles. To ensure accuracy, the society provided Mattel with a box of orthotics as models. The doll also sports a dress in shades of yellow and blue, the colors used to raise awareness of Down syndrome. She wears a Barbie pink necklace with a pendant of the lucky few symbol, three upward chevrons, representing three copies of the 21st chromosome. McKeon says she's happy with the way the Barbie turned out. As a child, she didn't get to play with any dolls or toys that reflected a world in which people with Down syndrome exist, but she helped create one that does. I'm so proud and so excited, she said, that there's a doll out there that looks just like me. Medical Motherhood brings you quality news and information for raising disabled and neurodivergent children. Get it delivered to your inbox each Sunday morning or give a gift subscription. Subscriptions are free with optional tiers of support. Thank you to our paid subscribers. Follow Medical Motherhood on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, or Pinterest. The podcast is also available in your feeds on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Visit the Medical Motherhood merchandise store through a link on our website. Do you have a story to share or an injustice that needs investigation? Tell me about it, and it may become a future issue. Thank you for listening. Our music was composed by Ehimitsu and used under a Creative Commons license. Mama Radio. Oh, Mama, all day.